Three, two, one. We're recording. All right. So watch your filthy mouths. Watch your filthy mouths. This is live. Okay. So, uh, yeah. How about I do a little intro and we get right into it? Let's do it. All right. Welcome to the big show. This is the second episode of Would This Make a Good Podcast, where we figure out how to make a podcast on the fly. Last week was the pilot episode, we calling it that, yeah. in which we experimented with the ways to not get sued, nor have our episode blocked for containing copyrighted music, nor get PC backlash for offensive remarks. Nor lose our jobs. Nor lose our jobs, and that's all in there. <laughs> so that episode will be available unedited on the box set in 20 years. So there's something to look forward to. I'm Louie, here as always with Jeremy and Brad. How you guys doing? Doing good, my man. Fantastic. That was that was a pretty awesome intro. You're you're setting the bar pretty high now. So <laughs> good, good job. All right. Yeah. So yeah. I guess uh let me give a little background of how we got here. The genesis of this podcast was Jeremy, I believe, saying we should do a podcast. It was no, probably no, 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 no. Credit to Brad. I think it was Brad who first came up with the idea. I mean, I'll, I'll be happy to take credit, but I don't I think it was, I, No, I think it was you, Jeremy. I think was it? I think so, man. I'm pretty sure. God, I'm I a fucking genius. Yeah, you are a genius. I think it was probably like a Friday night at Daryl's. Probably. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, were all, we were all way drunk. Like, yeah. <laughs> fucking podcast (laughs) (laughs) that sounds like something we would do (laughs) and then about six months later uh probably at daryl's again jeremy said hey i figured out how to record it and edit it and i got some gear so let's make a podcast right here we we are ain't nothing to it but to do it so at the time we were trying to figure out well if we're going to have a podcast what are we talking about and so we looked down at that thing in our hand which was a beer hey let's make it about beer So it's not going to be about beer because we're not three beer aficionados. But the general idea is that each week we put in a couple ideas each. We pick one. That's the main piece. And then we have various recurring bits. Would this make a good recurring bit? But because we're not getting any younger, we're going to be figuring all this out on mic. So for this week, I thought we'd be testing out four or five recurring bits. Sound good? I like it. I like it. Now, so, I will correct you, though, Lou, yeah. we are three beer aficionados, but but we just don't want to beat a topic to death, right? Like, how many fucking yeah. podcasts are a bunch of guys sitting around talking about beer? I don't yeah. know the answer to that, but I'm guessing a lot. Has anybody ever looked up a beer podcast? I'm sure there's a bunch of them, right? There yeah. are. I have looked it up. There are a lot, and they're all roughly the same. It's like three oh. schmoes like us sitting around talking about beer and, you know. Beer is to be drank. It's not to be discussed in hour-length podcast. Oh, are they like, <laughs> these right. hops were grown in eastern Washington? And yeah. Smash and the... We'll just have 15-minute epi- segments of beer discussion. There you go. So uh, Brad and me are checked and checked in, so let's make sure you're checked in. What are you drinking, Jeremy? Um, I am drinking a Sea Pine Citra IPA. From uh, um, down, I think I think Sea Pine's still down in um, Renton. Oh, okay, local. Yeah, yeah, local stuff for sure. What's the? Uh, how is it? Well, uh, it's fantastic. So first of all, Sea Pine is great. Um, I have loved Sea Pine ever since they opened a number of years ago, and I um, went down and toured their totally shitty hole in the wall brewery in like a strip mall industrial park way <laughs> back when they opened, <laughs> uh, and it was super cool. And they they always put out really really good stuff. And 
what's interesting, I, I think the, the the Citra IPA that I'm drinking right now is is a good beer to discuss because it seems to be. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to be citrus IPAs are like hot, hot, hot right now, right? It's a it's a it's a thing. It's a beer thing. Yep. Um, yeah, for better, better right now. I, I think it's uh, there. We go. So yeah, I I love them. I, if you don't love them, they're all tough because it's like a thing right now. So. Uh, I think Sea Pine makes a really good one. I am all about the um, the citrus IPA wave that we are riding right now. Now is citrus the same thing as a hazy IPA? Are they kind of like mm. one and the same, or is there a difference between a citrus and a hazy? Excellent question, Brad. <laughs> Coming out swinging. But they taste the same. Do you agree? They, they can, well, you know, there there can be hazy IPAs that are also citrus IPAs, but there can also be citrus IPAs that aren't hazy and, okay. you know, yada, yada, right? So this sea pine is, I, I'm with you, it kind of, ha- if, if you were blind tasting this, it would you'd be like, oh, it's a hazy IPA. It's delicious. Mm, but it's actually not hazy at all. It's very, very clear. So okay. not a hazy, but it's a citrus. But uh, yeah, I'm with you. There's, there's a lot of overlap for sure, at least in my un- <laughs> expert opinion. <laughs> yeah, there's some guy out here that like me blowing his fuse for that. I would even ask such a question like, are oh, they of the course. same? But, um, <laughs> oh, you fucking rube. Yeah. <laughs> but to me, I, I see a lot of similarities. But anyway. And Lou, it sounds like you're drinking some some of the good good too, right? Yeah, this is called uh, Stemma Brewing, Stemma, and they're located up in Skagit Valley. Uh huh. For our listener at home, that's about an hour north of Seattle. It's um, called Zach's Mullet Party, and <laughs> you got a cartoon picture of Zach on the front, and he's as you would guess, he's a guy with Ray Bans and a mullet and a shirt open, three buttons on top, showing his hairy chest, and. Uh, it's an imperial juicy red IPA. It says here brewed with talus, citra, and cryo simcoe hops. I don't know what any of that means, but it does have the word citra there. And you can kind of tell it's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. got a little bit of a fruity top on it, but it is is hazy just the way it looks when you hold it up to the light because it's pretty cloudy. Mm. No, hazy, my understanding of hazy is that hazy IPAs are kind of like the Hefeweizens of IPAs, meaning they don't... Um, like they're not as filtered. filtered? Yeah, yeah, unfiltered. Mm-hmm. Unfiltered, yeah. Um, nice. Brad, Brad, what's in your can? Well, not to one-up you guys, but... <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, I'm drinking a Tallboy Rainier. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I know, I know. Uh, it's, a, it's a nice, crisp lager. It, uh <laughs> Tastes really fantastic on the palate. Nice crisp finish. <laughs> and uh, I'm drinking it in honor of this awesome Rainier sign that I just picked up. That I texted you guys the link earlier. So, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good that, sign. A tall boy. Way to bring up something, Brad, in a podcast that none of the listeners were able to actually see. Well, the, uh, you know, it's kind of the seat of mine. So should I try to paint a picture here? Sure. Yeah, go for it. So I scored this Rainier beer sign from the 1960s. It's been on my want list for a long time, but they're almost impossible to find. And uh, this this uh, thrift, this vintage store was going out of business in Ballard. And I went there as soon as they opened. They were having a going out of business sale this weekend. So they're completely closing down, selling everything, even the fixtures, because um, they're they're out. They're out of business. And that's one of the things they were selling on the wall. So I scored this. 
And basically, it's uh, a picture of Mount Rainier that lights up. Uh, and down below, it's like a city scene, but they have it set up so the lights twinkle. So it's kind of like, you know, you're looking at a city from a distance at night with the lights twinkling. It mimics that. And then there's the, the vintage Rainier R on the right-hand side that lights up with it. Uh, this thing's pretty big, right? I mean, it's like it's like couch, it's like sofa painting size, right? Um, it's probably like about maybe close to two and a half, three feet across. Ah, okay. All right. Yeah, All right. yeah. Nice. And is so, it, uh, is it the, the, the twinkling action? That's like it's like a little, it's like something that like moves, right? That's like a little it, motor or some shit in there, right? Yeah, they call them motion signs. So around this era, a lot of like beer manufacturers, it was probably the best era for beer signs because they were really creative in how they did it. Um, and yeah, there's a little motor and it mimics this twinkling effect down below. There's another Rainier sign that um it has the clouds moving so it's another motion sign and it's uh kind of like a sky scene with the rainier r on it but when you're looking at it it looks like these clouds are moving because they're it's on this movable scroll um i got an i I got a couple olympia beer signs too that i sold actually already uh one of them had a bubbling mug of beer and then the other one had this moving like the waterfall was moving you know from the old brewery in tumwater um, and it had the the Olympia logo on it. So I got some really cool beer signs. But this one was like mwah, the piece de resistance. It was just uh, I've been hunting for this sign for a long time. So I was super psyched to get it. So your wife's going to let you uh, hang that up in the living room upstairs. Is that where that's going? Down in my uh, office, man, with all my other all my other crap. Brad's man yep. cave. Yep. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And and your your wife uh, fully okayed the eight thousand dollars sweetheart price that you got on that sign, right? That's the best part, man. So I got it for um, they normally sell for about eight hundred dollars nowadays. This sign, whoa, yeah, they're really expensive. I got it for thirty five bucks. Holy what? shit! Yeah. Oh my god! Oh, yeah. Do they have another ten of them I can buy? Yeah, I oh would. my god, I would have got them too. Wow. So that was the best part of it. I didn't have to spend an arm and a leg to get it. So it was meant to be. Huh, well, I'm not too yes. far from Ballard. I'm going to bounce off this call and uh, shoot down to Ballard, see if there's any other scores sitting there. Yeah, you all never right. know. Anything huh. left? You're still all, all wiped out. Oh, I don't know. I was I was one of the first ones in. Because of COVID, they only allowed a few people in at a time. And I was one of the first people in. Uh, I saw them advertise the sale online. And I was looking through the pictures and I could see in the distance in one of the pictures, the sign hanging on the wall. Mm-hmm. I instantly zeroed in on it with my mm-hmm. terminal. I was like, <laughs> so I was there bright and early waiting. And uh, I was one of the, the first, you know, three people they let in. Um, so I got my stuff and then bounced. And uh, I don't know what they have left. They were that was Friday morning. And uh, I think there's I think the sale is still going today. I think they're still open, but. Who knows what they have left at this point? They probably all they have left is like a bunch of Journey t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the vintage Journey shirts are worth a lot. Any vintage rock shirt is uh, worth a small fortune. Even if it's been through the dryer 50 times and you can barely read what's uh, what's on there? <laughs> that these got to be like mint yeah. condition? Well, you know, like all those concerts we all went to, uh, you know, back starting in the 80s, all those metal bands and stuff through the 90s yeah that stuff is worth hundreds of dollars those t-shirts my like uh david lee roth eat him and smile tour shirt that's uh gonna oh yeah yeah especially the heavy metal ones with really cool graphics the old uh 
Judas Priest shirts and Iron Maiden and Motley Crue. Oh, right. Uh, Old punk t-shirts, too. Same thing. If they're, like, authentic Mm -hmm. concert shirts from punk bands, same thing. I have my my Cannibal Corpse uh, t-shirts all hermetically sealed in a safe. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. I'm not easily offended, but do you remember the Cannibal Corpse? I remember seeing this record shopping in, like, probably... Yeah, probably like early 90s. It's the one where there's a woman leaning up against a gravestone, like a zombie woman, and her intestines are all spilling out, and there's a ghoul like eating her out <laughs> in the graveyard. I forget what it's called, but I don't re- I don't remember that. One. I, <laughs> I was always like, you can't all sense the music, covers. man. If you don't like it, just turn it off. And I was like, oh my god. <laughs> Young yeah. Lou was very offended. Yeah, it turned me into a Republican right there. That was mm-hmm. it. Somebody should do something about this. <laughs> <laughs> what they think of our children? <laughs> so yeah, good, Brad. That's cool. You're drinking a uh, Rainier, and I I'm should say, yep. Let's do a little overview: what you look for in a beer, what you don't look for in a beer. And I'll start, and you've already violated my first law of beer, which is that number that says percentage alcohol by volume. That number needs to start with a high six. If it's got a five on it and I got to drink like three of them to get a buzz, I'd rather just take a shot of whiskey or drink water and not drink at all. So Zach's mullet party is an 8%. What's, uh, uh-huh. what, what's, your, what's your number, Jeremy? So, so Lou, you're, you're going for efficiency. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Shit, I don't even I don't even know. I the can is like way over. I think it's like a it's it's around a six. I think maybe a six two something like that. Okay, but oh, uh, you know I you know I I I am I I don't drink and buy and choose beer by ABV like you just described. But um to that to that point though I I think there is value. Like I I like a beer that has a a distinct you know alcohol kind of flavor to it. Right. As opposed to like low ABVs and even like some session beers and stuff like that, where they don't have as pronounced an alcohol taste to them. And some people like them, especially if you're drinking lots of them on a Sunday afternoon or something like that. Right. But I I like the alcohol kind of flavor to it. And you mentioned like, you know, having like a good whiskey or something. I'm the same way with with booze, with hard booze, too. It's like I I like the good quality alcohol flavor that turns a lot of people off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do you like that? You like the sours and the farm beers and stuff like that? Oh well, shit. I mean, that's a whole other like <laughs> topic. Yeah. I, I like the I like the weird stuff for sure. I mean, you, you guys know me. I'll 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 drink anything twice, and you know, sometimes the weirder the better, right? But um, yeah, but that's a whole other topic. Remind me what you're talking about. Like you drink some of them and they're strong, and you can kind of taste the alcohol. Yeah, yeah. Doubles and imperials and triples yeah. and uh-huh. yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, I went into the there's a beer store near my house called Bottle Works on 45th and I went in there today to get a get a good beer to have for the podcast and so I walk in with my bag and he's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, take a step back." <laughs> what? He's like, "No one's been in this store for a year. You got to order online." I'm like, "Well, I'm here now. Can you just give me an IPA with a big ABV?" He's like, "All right, I'll make an exception." He grabbed like four of them. No shit, really? <laughs> yeah. At a beer he store, really he wasn't like, going to let you in the store originally. Yeah, it, they wow. like it, wow. he's so he grabbed and it's a beer store, so he's like, 
this is a quadruple IPA and it's got 14%. Like, woo, 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 <laughs> take it down a notch. I should have said I'm not an alcoholic. I just, uh, <laughs> when I'm drinking, I like, I like a bang from a buck. Um, so, so yeah, he pulled out like four of them and I took three of them. Um, so yeah, I'm digging it. Uh, brewed with Talus, Citra and Cairo Simcoe hops. If that means anything to anybody. Um, you know, Jeremy, you mentioned earlier about how the citrus hops are big this year. And uh, for our listener, every year we go to the Washington Brewers Festival. Mm-hmm. And it's oh. got hundreds of beers from all the Washington brewers, and it's amazing. And you kind of see each year there's a trend. And then for the next year, you'll start to see a bunch of these in stores and bars. And I do remember two years ago, there was a ton of like citrus IPAs. Grapefruits, remember Jeremy Orange and mm-hmm. all that stuff. A couple years before that, it was like the whiskey barrel stuff. Um, so there's definitely some some trends in it, and I'm I'm digging the juicy citrus IPA one. I hope that one sticks around. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that too. But did you guys see the uh, once again the Washington Beer Festival is not happening yeah. this year? Wah, wah. Oh man, I know. Super bummed. Super bummed. Well, we got to think by next summer, surely they got to be open. Let's hope. Yeah, that makes sense, too, because you're seeing a lot of like bands that are announcing concerts and they're 2022. Like they kind of already punted on 21. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not bothered playing to 25 percent capacity. Yeah. Uh, It was funny last year. So. The Washington Brewers Festival happens on Father's Day, which is in June. So, like, things started locking down in end of March and April. And we were like, oh, when are we going to go back to work? What's up with this? And then Brad texted us and he was like, shit just got real. They canceled the Brewers Festival. (laughs) (laughs) That's when the gravity of the situation really became apparent. Goddamn COVID. (laughs) Yeah, that's when it really hit me. (laughs) Yeah, I hear that, man. Yeah. Another good one too is the um, the winter beer festival here in in Seattle too, and I know we the three of us haven't kind of gone to that traditionally, you know, over and over like the like the Brewers Festival. But that's another great one because man, you want to talk about some high ABV like winter beers? Oh my uh, god! Yeah. Oh my true. god! It's not possible to go to that beer festival without getting just totally tanked. <laughs> is that at Seattle Center? Is that the one? No, it's the one over in uh, Magnuson Park. Oh, same place as the Father's Day, right? Oh no, uh, Father's no, Day the, is Maramore. That's Winter right. Fest is Madison. Yep, They're right. in the in the hangars, probably. You got it. Yep. Nice. That one's a great one, and it's almost yeah. everything is high ABV. <laughs> there's like you know, walking around, there's like twenty percent you know winter dark ales and stuff. You're like, oh yeah, I got to try try that one. <laughs> yeah, that's the dark multi high ABV ones. Yep. Yeah, like uh, Jubilee is one of my favorite winter beers. Oh yeah, has ever oh, had that? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That's a that's a good bang for your buck too. You get like five beer tokens. You drink three, four ounces of that, and good yeah. night. Yep. You're on your ass, Jack. Jubilee, that's the uh, Deschutes, right? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Brad, you, you mentioned you know a tall boy. Um, yeah kudos for the tall boys always love those and that's that's another trend that i think covid has exacerbated the 16 ounce cans right man so like it's like bombers out 16 ounce cans in 
and it's it's kind of kind of cool because I I personally I I would much prefer 16 ounce over 12 ounce any day. Yeah, that's true. Well, cans in general c- kind of came back yeah. for a while. Cans um, are hot. Everyone was it was kind of like a beer snob thing, like oh the aluminum like affects the taste. You have to drink beer in a glass. But cans, what was it like a few years ago? They suddenly just came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, and like you said, now it's even gone as far as the a lot of them are doing it tall boy style, which is great. Yeah, that's true. And I think that's true. Someone like pointed that out to me that like it's not the can that makes the beer taste bad. It's the fact that you're drinking fucking Coors Light, and Budweiser, and Miller in, your, <laughs> in a can. <laughs> You could be of, drinking that out of a gold-plated pimp cup, and it would still taste bad. <laughs> exactly. And, and I have. <laughs> so, yeah, they said, like, you know, a bottle, you still get a little light pollution, whereas a can, it's completely hermetically sealed. It's not, like, mm-hmm. leaching aluminum. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that that's cool. In fact, this one I'm drinking, they're here, uh, Mullet Party. It's a pint can. Yeah. Love and it. that's what I asked for when I went in the store. I was like, I just just give me a couple twenties of some high uh, high octane IPAs. And he was like, We don't carry those. We have zero of them anymore. Mm-hmm. Which does that sound weird? Mm-hmm. That is kind of weird. What was his reasoning for not carrying them? He said companies are just getting away from them. It's probably cheaper to do a can too. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, especially the like the micro space. and nano breweries. You know, they don't they don't have the money to invest in a you know a bottling rack, right? So they gotta the, the cans are way more cost effective. Yeah, nice. So yeah, that's cool. You so, guys, uh, you guys remember? I don't even remember what like some old school beer like back in the '80s was advertising their specially lined can. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> Are you yeah. talking about the mountains turn blue at 42 degrees? No, 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 no. That's that's <laughs> way more modern. That's like Coors Light or some shit, right? It's like, no, yeah. no, no. Somebody was advertising. I don't even remember what the beer brand. So, some shitty beer, cheap beer brand was advertising their specially lined cans. That's why their beer was so delicious because they had these specially lined cans and it was like some cheap ass crappy beer. It was like Hams or Meister Brow or something. Yeah. Well, on that level. Yeah. One was of those it, beers. Is it like ice house or something remember that one yeah yeah chobs drinks a lot of ice house it's a good uh bang for your buck it's a cheap beer that's got a little extra octane in it well he used to he's he's uh he's he's still alcohol free and i think weighs less than me at this point which is crazy whoa yeah he's taking it well that last time we all hung out me and jeremy both did the same thing where they were like hi i'm louie i don't think we've met I'm Chobs, and we're like, Chobs? What? <laughs> Where'd the weight go? Where'd the hair go? You look great. Yeah. That yeah. was crazy. No, and he's been, like, running and stuff, so he's even more fit now. What the yeah. fuck? No, it's crazy. It's crazy, but I don't, I barely recognize him either. Even still, when I see him, I'm, it still takes me a couple seconds to be like, oh, that, that's Chobs. Yeah, it makes sense. And then he told us how much he was drinking each day, and it was like, oh, whoa. whoa. Yeah, that's a lot of calories. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, that was leaving Las Vegas amounts of alcohol. Yeah, that's Olympic level drinking. Yeah. <laughs> Olympic level. <laughs> All right. Nice. Th- thank God. Thank God for the Google while we were talking. Keystone. 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 Yep, Keystone. 
Nice. Good stuff. Yeah. Is, is Keystone, do they still make that? Is that still available? Oh, I don't gosh. I don't remember the last time I sure saw hope it. so. Let's get my Keystone ice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, it is. I just did a quick uh, rats on the keyboard, and we've got Keystone Light, Total Wine, and more. 19 bucks for a 30-pack. Thank God. Thank God. Huh? Mm-hmm. Seventeen yep. bucks for a thirty pack at uh, this other place. So. Now I, I, I steer clear of the ice myself, right? But I <laughs> I, I do say a uh, half rack of Keystone takes me back to college days for show. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Because that shit we used to go on sale like you know cheaper than water and. <laughs> yeah, there was this uh, one summer. It was actually my senior year, and there was a convenience store in town, and they literally had two pallets full of ham's beer suitcases sitting outside the store Uh, it was like an order mix-up or maybe the truck broke down and the guy was like well i can't take this i'm just gonna leave it here but clearly they didn't care i guess it was the honor system you bring it inside or if you're poor ass high school students we we were like did you see those pallets of beer down at the maverick let's go get some and like we pulled up and we're all scared. We're like, okay, Brian, you go get gas, leave the back open. And when you're almost done filling up, we'll sprint over like four or five of those things and then we'll take off. And we did. And like, nobody seemed to care. We could have just literally <laughs> backed the truck up and slowly loaded it. But like, we had that shit all summer because it was so bad. Nobody would drink it. And the line, <laughs> the line was like, you know, it's got to be bad when a bunch of <laughs> high school kids won't even drink it. <laughs> so we get the keg for the party out in the woods and like, OK, Fiddy and Travis and Paul bought the keg. So if you want, they want to get paid back. So it's five bucks a cup. And if you don't want to pay five bucks, then freeloaders drink free beer. And, you know, all these suitcases of hams were there. And like some broke ass motherfuckers were drinking the hams, and one of them came up to me and was like, "Hey, can I just have one uh, Budweiser?" <laughs> All right, one Budweiser for you. Five bucks. Then back to the hams. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, at the end of the summer, we still had it. Someone just threw it in their garage, and it's probably still there. We can probably go find it if you want. Maybe it's worth something, like your Rainier sign. <laughs> so, hams is kind of collectible now because for a while it was brewed at the olympia brewery in tumwater like in the 60s and 70s no so kidding. so ham stuff from that era that came from the olympia brewery uh people that are into collecting local beer like rainier and olympia also hams is a big one that they collect too you see it a lot mm-hmm. i thought that was a midwest kind of beer uh, it was, it's been brewed at different breweries and it certainly was brewed somewhere in the Midwest too. And I think, I don't know if it's still being brewed today, but for a while it was, and it was, that's where it was being made. But for, uh, close to a couple decades, it was down in Oli. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Brad, you clearly need to write a book about like shitty Northwest beer history. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, I mean, I would totally read that. Yeah. Yeah, well, my my prohibition book covered it a little bit about like the launch of the craft beer mm-hmm. movement. Mm-hmm. It finally allowed people to make you know brew beer more than four percent. Uh, so you know the early stuff, Red Hook and Pyramid and stuff like that. Yeah, nice nice plug there, Brad. That was good. Yeah, yeah, my book is available in all bookstores. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Uh, reality check, Lou. You started off talking about how we weren't going to make this like a guy's talking about beer podcast. But here we are uh, half an hour into our podcast and we have been talking about nothing but. All right. Well, that's the main bit this week. Let's move on. We got some other ones. <laughs> All right. That, that's a wrap. We're done. All right. Let's hop into a recurring segment. Um, one of the ones that was on the list was, uh, is that still a thing? And that one popped into my head because a couple of days ago at Walgreens, there was a guy in line in front of me that had a wallet chain oh, in yeah. the 90s in Seattle. Yeah. Like every oh. fifth person had a wallet chain. Yeah. Was it clipped to his belt or of to course his pants? <laughs> right. Because there's belt, a difference. Uh, belt yeah. loop. Belt loop on the pants. Mm. Mm-hmm. He didn't have it around the belt, but mm. yeah, for those, for our listener that might not have seen a wallet chain in their life, it was a, I think it, it wasn't just a chain. You had to buy a wallet with the chain on it. Otherwise you would have to run the chain through the fabric or the leather of your wallet. So it's a wallet with a six or nine inch chain and you clip it on your belt loop. And that helps because, uh, I don't know, it's kind of like a fashion thing that's kind of masquerading as a utility like our friend gustavo got a wallet chain at one point and i immediately was giving him shit i'm like oh you're on the wallet chain train can you tell me what those are for he's like yeah man if uh someone tries to steal your shit they can't because it's hooked on your belt i was like i've i've never been pickpocketed in my life it's not like we're living in new york riding the subway every day what's what's the (laughs) point of that he's like well yeah no it's not just that it's always right there you never drop it i was like also never drop my wallet that's not a problem but uh, did either of you guys have a wallet chain? Nope. No, but I totally wanted one. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably worse than actually having one. <laughs> Coveting a wallet chain. So, I, I mean, I asked whether it was like, was it clipped to his belt or clipped to his pants, right? Because in my mind, there's new school and old school wallet chains, right? New school is a nice little metal clip that you attach to your belt loop. Old school is it's a big ass leather loop that you put through your belt. Yeah. Oh. Right? Am I right? Yeah, it's right. I always think of them and have them in that little metal quick clip and you put it on the belt loop. Yeah. No. That's 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 Neo. Oh, okay. So what why was why did that happen anyway? Why did people want these wallet chains all of a sudden? Obviously it was a fashion choice, but doesn't seem weird. Like you, yeah. your well, wallet's you're, only you're not going to pretend to be up on pop culture <laughs> at all. Well, I'm thinking, um, some band probably had them on, and that's usually where it starts, right? Like some band will get big, and whatever mm-hmm. fashion stuff they're they're floating out there, people start buying it. Did, did ZZ Top? Do they do they all have wallet chains? <laughs> I can see those guys have wallet chains. They seem like they would be. Right. <laughs> or maybe well, even like Metallica. I could see a couple dudes from Metallica mm-hmm. rocking a wallet yeah. chain. I could see yeah. James rocking a wallet chain for sure. Yeah, yeah exactly. Rob Halford. Rob Halford yeah. probably had a wallet chain. <laughs> <laughs> no, Rob Halford has a chain on on his gimp that he keeps uh, shackled in the back of the tour bus. <laughs> Didn't he like like ride out on a Harley like in some concerts yeah. and stuff? Yes, all of them. I yeah. saw him live in the 90s and came out on the Harley. Yeah. straight pipe yeah awesome yeah i saw him in the 80s same thing yeah the wallet chain was also big like in the 90s there was kind of like the rockabilly revival and yeah like, here yeah it was big but that's like 
a lot of those fans are kind of time travelers where they got the, the the duck flip and the rolled up jeans and the cigarette rolled up in the t-shirt and, and greasers yeah. and stuff yeah oh. i call them time travelers because it's not just like in rock and billy music you got to go to the store you got to buy the outfit it yeah. comes with a wallet chain well even like the band the last band i saw was with you guys satan satan's pilgrims at daryl's and yeah. that that kind of crowd also seemed like they would have been the ones wearing one. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you know, sure. the retro vintage music yeah. look and stuff. Pinup no. girls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Love it. Love it. So, uh, yeah, we gave you guys a little homework. That was on the list. Of, is that still a thing? Brad or Jeremy, do you got a... Is that still a thing? Well, you know, one thing... One I was thinking of is... The, there's definitely a beard trend that we are right in the middle of, or maybe on the end cusp of, I'm not sure. Right. So granted, but is our, our mustaches still a thing, right? Cause it seems like for a while mustaches kind of predated the whole kind of beard trend. There was like a little hot minute there where mustaches without a beard were like the thing doesn't seem like it anymore, but you know what, what the fuck do I know? Huh? I- ironic mustache is still a thing like yeah. i a lot of dudes with the mustache but usually it's paired with the soul patch it's mm. not the mustache mm-hmm. not a good look not a, I, I gotta say not a good look uh certain dudes can pull it off but i think it's pretty rare i've seen a okay. couple kind of pull it off i can't pull yeah, it off the right face and stuff for it otherwise it looks yeah it looks weird it's like seventies it, it, porn star, right? Yeah, yeah. You got to be careful because yeah. you don't have the right look. It, it looks just downright dastardly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you're gonna <laughs> appear on some kind of, uh, you know, child molesters list or something. It's not good. <laughs> That's <It's> right. <laughs> and I'll t- I grew out a COVID beard those first couple months. It was like, well, I'm not leaving the house. I might as well see what a beard looks like. And I grew it for two months, and they're fucking disgusting i don't know why <laughs> people oh, grow God, beards shit my face yeah and like you once that mustache gets bushy every time you take a drink of your beer the next thing you do is wipe all the excess beer out of your mustache it catches every liquid you drink it's fucking disgusting i assume a lot of these people have girlfriends and wives that are being too nice and not telling them to get rid of that gross fucker <laughs> because uh, they're gross. You know, at some point, maybe we need to have a female perspective guest uh, on the podcast to discuss exactly that. Oh, yeah. We'll have Dana on here because Jeff's like uh, got a father time beard, right? Uh, yeah. His beard. Mm-hmm. Um, for, the, for our listener, our friend Jeff uh, started a brewery with a couple friends. And um, if you're a brewer, that beard is not is timeless. In fact, it's you either get sl- tattoo sleeves or the beard or get the fuck out. And so once he became a, a brewer, he grew the Father Time Brewer's beard. And it's literally like ZZ Top. Yeah. To uh, explain it. Yeah, it's white. It goes about a foot below his chin. He looks like uh, David Letterman does now. And he's rocking it. Wow. Well, at some point, we're probably going to have to explain to listeners who ZZ Top is, which is <laughs> darn right sad. That's a sad, that's a sad state of affairs. That's a sad yeah. state of affairs. I think they're pretty much timeless, though, aren't they? Aren't they like, you know, on ZZ Top or the band or the Eagles? They're kind of... 
That's exactly the kind of thing an old fart would say. They're timeless, right? Even if you don't know them, you still have heard the name. And you know there's a band. The younger generations, they don't understand ZZ Top the same way we do. Because we were raised when MTV started in the 80s. And one of the, like, the videos that were on high rotation were those ZZ Top videos. Oh, yeah. Sharpest Man, Legs, and uh, Give Me All Your Lovin'. Yep. All three basically the same video in that there's uh, oh, yeah. there's the Eliminator deuce car that rolls into town. And the yep. ZZ Top guys take a nerd and make him cool. Or they take a mousy chick and make her a vixen. And then everybody gets laid and they go on to the next town. Right? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and they do the hitchhiking <laughs> thing. <laughs> <laughs> Some of that stuff was cool, though. Do you remember, like, the, the fur-lined guitars that had a spinning bass on them? So they'd oh, be yeah. playing them, and, and yeah. they could, the beer... The, I wanted the, one of those so bad. Oh, yeah. The the guitar would just spin circles there on their chest. That was dope. I remember thinking about, like, man, that's a, that's a lot of torque and rotational forces on the belt buckle. <laughs> but I was kind of a nerd in high school. Yeah. You had your little notepad, and you were like, hmm, that's not possible. This is some movie magic, how they make these guitars spin. (laughs) Speaking of music, music, I have, uh, is that still a thing? I was questioning the other day. Jam bands. Remember the jam bands from the 90s, like Fish and Blues Traveler and Spin Doctors? You just named named the three of them, and Dave Matthews kind of fit in there a little bit. Fit in there, exactly. Um, is that still a thing? Like, I haven't heard anything from any of those bands in ages. Are they all, is that just no longer a, a thing? Well, I know Fish broke up. Uh, Blues Traveler, you might be seeing them at the Emerald Queen Casino <laughs> sometime in the near future. But uh, I know The Dead now has John Mayer playing Jerry Garcia's uh, guitar parts. And they're really? still, a, a, yeah, they're still a force. They still tour? Yeah, the dead. Now so was, I just I just watched that um, Grateful Dead uh, documentary series. That's awesome. Which was was pretty good, but um, one of the one of the kind of spinoff kind of discussions that I was reading about that too is that a lot of those like jam bands that you mentioned, they pretty much are you know they they require marijuana. Like yeah. it, it, it's <laughs> not it's not possible to be you know fully enjoy and and be into that music without it um which you know i i, I don't know I, I can't say from personal experience but that sounds about right yeah yeah that, that that's a good litmus test is uh if if you if if you can't listen to it without drugs it's probably not the best music <laughs> yeah but that that um grateful dead documentary was was pretty interesting yeah, well, you know, the episode where they talked about the wall of sound, that was cool. <laughs> Oh, my God. That was crazy. <laughs> well, you know what's cool about that is um, I'm going to be kind of plugging my book, my upcoming book again. But So I'm writing a book about Al Hubbard. Can be published I think there was some sort of drug connection there, right, Brad? He was one of the pioneers of uh, psychedelic therapy from the 1950s. Mm-hmm. But the crew, the two main guys that made that Grateful Dead documentary you're talking about, they're also working on a documentary about Al Hubbard. Wait, I, like I, I thought Scorsese guy. made that. Uh, he, well, he was like... Just the, 
yes, producer, but these guys were the ones that were at, like going out and doing the grunt work and yeah, yeah, yeah. finding this archival footage of the Grateful Dead and, you know, old concert footage and stuff. They went pretty deep, but these guys, I connected with them and um, the main dude wrote is, is writing like the blurb for my book. No the shit. Book. Like the dudes who made the Grateful Dead documentary are the guys yeah. you just talked about connected with. Yeah. So yeah. Ken Bornstein was guy and I had zoom calls with them and stuff. And, um, they, they gave me like access to some really cool photos that I'm using in my book. And he wrote a really cool blurb that's going to be on the back cover. So holy it shit. Cool. It was cool connecting with those guys. And they're, wow. they're, so this they're working on a yeah. film documentary of that dude. Yeah. They're working on a documentary. It's going to be on like the original, um, LSD and psych- psychedelic therapy from the 1950s when people were first kind of creating it. Wow. And, so um, it like Ken Kesey in there? Well, no, the 50s crew was like Al Hubbard, this guy named Humphrey Osmond. You know, it was like these middle-aged, older kind of tweed-clad professors and thinkers and scientists. It wasn't until the early 60s, that's when Timothy Leary and Ken Kesey kind of introduced it to the underground and then it became like a youth thing but before that it was a bunch of middle-aged dudes um intellectuals and stuff and they created this form of psychotherapy and it was very successful it was working really good and then the hippies got a hold of it and it got out of control and that's when the government put the clamp down they made most of those drugs schedule one drugs um and that's when psychedelic therapy went bye-bye but it's making a resurgence and they're doing a lot of um wow really like groundbreaking studies and stuff using psilocybin to treat depression i think they have an mdma one for uh ptsd um so there there's all these studies going on and they're proving you know like how successful and how um what a good treatment it is for treating people with all kinds of different disorders and so al hubbard's name is coming up again he's kind of making a comeback and so that's what their documentary is going to be about it's going to be about this early 1950s pioneers that kind of latched onto it and formed early psychedelic therapy and of course al hubbard was one of the main ones so a lot of their films going to be about him nice so this can give your book a nice boost yeah i'm hoping so i'm hoping so Wow, I, I I totally see a future podcast episode just on this shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Have, have sure. you read the uh, Have you read the book yet, Jeremy? Yeah. 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 It was pretty cool. It was. I got the pre-release story. I mean, this guy is like, when I talked to Brad about it, making amazing like four season Netflix series. Like season one. <laughs> oh my god. Is on is him as oh, a bootlegger my. in Seattle. Season two is him as a federal Who's, agent slash. Okay. Still so, looking for the bootleggers, and then you got who the do we LSD. get to play him? That's a good question. Who do we yeah. get to play him? What's he look like? Well, like one of his trademarks is he had this really like mischievous glint in his eye with this kind of smile. So it'd have mm. to be some actor that had that because that's kind of what really made him stand apart. Joaquin Phoenix? Maybe. Huh. I just pulled up a picture of him. He looks more like uh, Ed Asner in his later years when he's bald. Yeah, he gets pudgy. Yeah. But What's yeah, Ed Asner's doing got, these like, days. Short hair, crew cut, shirt and tie. Yeah. Mm. Huh. 
Yeah, that's pretty cool. And that other part of the book where they talked about the early psychedelic therapy, they were using it on for PTSD, for like troops coming back from World War II, and they were mm-hmm. using it yep. also for for alcoholism, which sounds weird to treat mm-hmm. addiction to another substance yep. with another yeah, right. controlled mm-hmm. substance. But like but what you, they, were, they were having um, success rates of up to 90 percent, like and it was just yeah. one or two sessions. Yeah, they would go in and they would give them this high dose of LSD and then they would let them go in deep into themselves. And by the time they came out, a lot of these people weren't they wouldn't touch another drop the rest of their lives. That's amazing. Another, another shameless plug. And I, I have no connection to this whatsoever, but um, Psychonautics. Um, I believe it's on Netflix right now, I think. It's called okay. Psychonautics, a comics exploration of psychedelics. It's actually pretty interesting. It's just a just a uh, you know hour and a half uh, – it's not really a documentary, but it's just this comedian's kind of exploration of drugs and talking about stuff and interviewing people. And, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. It touches upon a lot of the stuff that we were, that we were just discussing. Now, is that the one where they interview comedians and they, they talk about – like their craziest acid trips, and then they said animation. Have you guys seen that? No. no. God, that sounds amazing. What's that one? Good. Uh, I don't remember the name of it. Yeah, no, this I'll one is up. not that. Uh, it's on Netflix, so I'm pretty sure. But it's it's pretty hilarious, and they do a good job. And I think like one of them is Henry Rollins, oh, Deneen Garofalo, and it's just kind of <laughs> an assortment of people. Wow. And they're it's them talking about like recounting their experience they had. You know these crazy experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's set to animation. So oh, can, can we get any of those guys on the podcast? Yeah, Brad, you're in the know now. Let's get some. Uh, let's get a guest up in here. You know Janine. Yeah. <laughs> you know Rollins. We all I'll, know Rollins. I'll have my people call her people, and I'll set it up. <laughs> I know Rollins likes to talk. That's one of those guests you just turn on the mic and he talks for two hours, and then you say that's a wrap, right? The uh, <laughs> that one part of the book where they talked about the psychedelic therapy it just yeah. sounds like a fucking nightmare to me because you're like you're not on the beach, you're not on the ocean, you're not in the woods, yeah, yeah. you're, you're in on a the fucking hospital couch. room, yeah, yeah, you're in like a white room with a hooked cold... up to an EKG. <laughs> <laughs> now enjoy, enjoy. <laughs> Though in the later ones, when he had us like the retreat in the Vancouver one, they'd have like set it up like a lodge and they put up some paintings and make it aesthetically pleasing. Oh, is that some fish music? Hospital? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, that sounds cool. Uh, Jeremy, you got a, is that still a thing? Uh, well, we did my mustache one. Okay, um, we did the mustache. You know, one of the reasons I brought up that mustache one is as I read this article that talking about how the mustache has transformed over the generations, right? Like it used to be 60s and 70s kind of um, associated with certain people. And now the modern mustache movement, if you want to call that now, is almost predominantly like white straight guys oh okay was, so it's not like the freddie mercury of, leather bar right the village right people. It's, yeah so it's it you know 
the mustache is now very representative of something quite different than it than it used to be over you know throughout history and stuff and i don't know if i agree or disagree with any of that but i thought it was just an interesting argument it's like okay is it still a thing and if it is a thing it's just like it's a it's a very different thing than it used to be you know well you know what other group like really embraced the mustache and maybe they still do was uh the gay community like living on Capitol Hill back in the 90s, there were so many gay guys that had mustaches. Did you ever know? King of subtlety there, Totally. It's almost like a, it's a signifier too, if you're looking to hook up, right? Yeah. Wait, you grow it longer if you're, what do you want to hook up? Or how does that work? What is this? (laughs) If the guy, if the head peeking out of the bathroom stall next to you has a mustache on it, go for it. Oh, okay. All right. it always seemed so odd to me because most guys that were flaunting the mustache were like, you know, kind of the macho, like old school guys, the, the no nonsense, you know, like the guys that retired from the military. Yeah. Uh, and so seeing, so when I first started seeing like the gay community with mustaches, it, it was hard for my brain to kind of wrap around. I was like, what's going on here? Cause that's like such a weird thing for them to embrace. Yeah, that should be like my Uncle Ed with an anchor tattoo that he got in World War II and, and riding his Harley. Is he gay? Uh, no. Now <laughs> they are. Back then, he was a tough guy. Mustaches yeah. were a tough guy thing. That's what I mean. They, that's how, yeah, they were a tough guy. Yeah, I, like, can, you know, I can grow facial hair, motherfucker. Tom Selleck was like, <laughs> We just prefer that you up. don't. <laughs> Tom Selleck. <laughs> that's a mustache to be proud of that was that is an epic mustache that is Sam epic Elliott mustache. Too, he, he, he could rock the stash pretty good mm-hmm. yep. Yep. yeah he's still rocking it yeah yeah there are definitely some mustaches for the ages nice all right i think we've uh rocked uh is that still a thing here's another recurring segment i've got uh well, we'll do dealer's choice. You guys want to do bad sar- bad song lyrics, Generation Gap, or aren't you glad politics is boring again? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> wow. I have, like, no good examples of any of those. It's your list, man. You're, you're the curator of this thing. I know. Okay, really bad lyrics. So I, I, don't, I don't have an example of really bad lyrics, but I have an example of lyrics that are that are, are are controversial and and um uh you know interesting in either a good or bad way depending on how you look at it so um if you guys heard wet ass pussy <laughs> yes <Yeah>. okay so <laughs> You know the, the song. It, I am personally. I don't. I don't think it's a great song. It's not a bad song, but it's not. It's not a great song. It's an. It's an. It's an okay song in my yeah. worthless opinion, right? But but I really appreciate the the controversy of the lyrics and the fact that the lyrics have brought about so much discussion, right? It's like anytime you have art that that just riles people up i am i'm all about it i just i just love it i just love it right so for that it's it's you know fantastic right but the but if you listen to the whole song and the lyrics i don't i don't necessarily think the lyrics are all that great but the the controversial layer on top of that is uh is just is just fantastic yeah yeah like that did and i gotta confess i 
when Cop Killer came out, I was like, yeah, those are just lyrics, man. Loosen the bone. He's not like he's talking about real. But when now that I have a daughter and this is like a number one song, I'm like, oh, my God, this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I totally. Uh, um, well, here, <clears throat> I don't have to uh, make you imagine it. L- let me give you a taste. Uh-oh. Gobble me, swallow me, drip down inside me, jump out before you let it get inside me. I tell him where to put it. Never tell him where I'm about to be. I'll run down on him before I have a brother running me. Talk your shit, bite your lip, mm-hmm. ask for a car while you ride that dick. <laughs> I do not want my daughter listening to that song. <laughs> but What's she's, she's gonna. Though, if she wants to, she's gonna. Well, the yep. funny thing about that is that like, how many millions of songs have been written by dudes, like in hip hop and rock? Ah, Basically good point. About like how many women they're boning and their dicks and stuff. But then as soon as some female artists do a similar, you know, do the same version, but from a female perspective, there's like outrage. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Yep. Yeah, yep, I was listening sure. to Luke Skywalker in high school, and I just thought it was funny. But uh, True Live Crew, remember that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah, you, you know, and you, you could get into the debate about whether, you know, is this like a sex positive song? Yes or no? Is it? Is it? Is it? Does it play into like old like misogynistic stereotypes? Yes or no? And stuff. You know, I I don't know. I'm not smart enough to make kind of make those arguments, right? But just just the fact that it's bringing up conversations and controversy in itself, I think, is is worthy of something. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I need a hard hitter. I need a deep stroker. I need a henny drinker. I need a weed smoker. Not a garden snake. I need a king cobra. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Good. That is good. That's good stuff. That is good stuff. So that basically means the three of us are eliminated. <laughs> We're eliminated. <laughs> <laughs> and and they also performed that at the Grammys this year, right? They did a clean version, and the same thing happened again. Like Marjorie Taylor Greene and uh, oh. all every Republican dipshit was like, oh, the end of the world is coming. <laughs> <laughs> which kind of makes Uh, me like that even more now jokes on that man there's a there's a hidden q message in that song (laughs) that's right right. king cobra Uh uh-huh we all know what he's talking about (laughs) (laughs) have you guys seen the q documentary on on hbo no i'm kind of avoiding it on purpose i don't want to give them any more time than I've already had, then they've already taken of mine. You know what I'm saying? Did you see the Q South Park episode? I did. That was funny. (laughs) I haven't seen it yet, but I want to see it. I've been fascinated by this whole, from the beginning, that that there's many, that many dipshits out there that believe this crazy stuff. And there's this, the weird thing about Q is there's layers to it. And the deeper you go, the more outrageous it gets, right? Like the first layer is the media has been kind of lying to us because they're controlled by corporations. And so they're spinning it based on their self-interest. And you hear that and you're like, oh, you know, that seems kind of plausible and stuff. And then you get to the next layer, which is there's a cabal of satanic, cannibalistic Satan worshipers who are like sacrificing kids. And you're like, holy shit, that's crazy town. And then it gets to the final layer, which is 
Donald Trump is going to be the one to like bring a stop to all this. And you're just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like by the time you get to the final layer there, you hear that and you're just like, how can so many people follow this and like believe this? It's you guys, really you guys have, your, have your tickets to the QAnon um, convention? Is there one? I'm sure yeah. there is. There is. It's coming up later this summer. Tickets are like 500 bucks. But it, damn, who's playing? I mean, you know, somebody told some so somebody told me. I, I don't know. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, the funny thing is about QAnon, like they're all about exposing these high-level Hollywood types and government types that are trafficking and underage women, and then yeah. one of their own, Matt Gates, gets yeah. busted for having relations with the 17 year old woman and it's like q this is your time to shine and now all of a sudden they're like wait 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 let's get all the facts in first <laughs> <laughs> this is your time man you don't need facts and they're like no no no. we only are interested in the shit we make up if it's real that's just boring <laughs> well the other thing that i found is that so obviously most of the QAnon people are like the really far right, you know, kind of loony kind of, people. but there's also a sizable percentage of them that are these like very naturalistic yoga crystal worshiping kind of people who are, are into alternative therapy. And a lot of them are anti-vaccine. And I guess because of that, that's what led them to QAnon. And a lot of them, have embraced QAnon. So like probably like 30 or 40% are these kind of almost hippie kind of people who have gone to the, the far end of the spectrum, you know, who, who only take natural medicine and are vegan and do yoga and stuff, but they've completely embraced QAnon. It's really weird. Huh? They've abandoned their hippie roots, fucking hypocrites. Yeah. And the explanation for it is just that, you know, because they, they embrace alternative ways of thinking and alternative realities and stuff. And they kind of shun what the what the conventional paradigm is as far as explaining stuff. So that's why they were so attracted to it. Huh. Hmm. So it could yeah. be anything. Hmm. Yeah. Just make something up right now. They should be Mormons for that matter. Yeah, it makes you think like how easy it is to just sway people. We probably could just create our own bullshit right now, and there would be at least a few people that would be like, "Okay, that sounds good." (laughs) (laughs) There's a recurring segment right there. We'll call it uh, "Make Shit Up." And uh, so, yeah, I, I like that. I like that. And we could even do a whole episode on the Great Spaghetti Monster. (laughs) (laughs) well let's create our own let's create our own weird conspiracy theory and see if it takes hold Uh, and if it does we're going to be apologizing for it for the rest of our lives Uh, you know i like the idea but i think it's it's almost like beer it's like it's so so (laughs) saturated in podcasts (laughs) everybody and their brothers coming up with conspiracy theories these days Instead of Q, it can be R and R. It started with Rainier beer. And <laughs> R was a mm-hmm. symbol for the underground to unite. And they've been sending secret messages all these years on Rainier beer cans. There you go. Boom. There's there you go. And, 
Yep. It got into the automotive industry. Like how many cars have like an R tacked onto the name, right? Yep. They think it's like sporty and, you know, whatever, but it's actually a message. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm into that because the reality of those made-up realities are better than the one I'm going through, which is like every time I drink the blood of an underage sex slave, I got to give half of it to Tom Hanks. <laughs> That's just like taking all the I'm, – I'm doing all the work for him. Well, so who's who's going to be the guy like Trump? Who's going to be the guy that's going to take down this Rainier R? Messiah. Ball? Yeah. Who's going to be the yep. Messiah? It has to be someone ridiculous. Matt mm-hmm. Gates. Gates? <laughs> yeah. No, I think we need to swing the pendulum in the other direction. <laughs> Who do yeah. you think? Hmm. What's Tommy Chong doing these days? <laughs> <laughs> I like Tommy Chong. <laughs> that's it. Tommy Chong is going to be the one... That's going to free us from the chains that have been wrapped around us by this Rainier conspiracy. God, I hope so. I like that. I could really use a break. He's going to be like Popeye and he's going to get his power from the big dog shit joint from up in smoke and (laughs) (laughs) come down through the roof on a grappling hook. And uh... (laughs) I am what I am. (laughs) <laughs> Popeye? <laughs> yeah, there's a Popeye tie-in too. Clearly, clearly. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Olive oil. Yeah, that's that's code straight up. That's definitely code. So I got a uh, bad song lyric that uh, that I've always thought of as one of the worst, and it's the right. um, Red Hot Chili Peppers "Scar Tissue." Do you all remember this song? Okay. Oh yeah, from oh, yeah. the album Californication. With yep. birds, I share this lonely We're all white, so we know that song. Yep. So the reason I thought it was so terrible is because every single line rhymes with saw, which is the first line. Scar tissue that I wish you saw. Know mm-hmm. it all. Um, Push-up bra against mm-hmm. the wall. Bathroom stall. Scarlet draw. Ma and pa. And it goes on and on and on. So you're saying those la- the lyrics are just lazy? Yeah, I don't know. Does every line have to rhyme in, in a song? I don't know. Well, I think that reflects the state of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like, I was a huge fan of those guys. And I saw them a couple times. I saw them in the 80s, and I saw them on the Blood Sugar Sex Magic Tour. Oh, yeah, I saw them at the Lollapalooza. Yeah, they were great, but it just seemed like their music maybe an album or two after blood sugar sex magic just started kind of going downhill. And recently it's funny you mentioned them because I saw them on, um, what's that, what's that, uh, show where they ride around with the dude listening to music and Oh, carpool karaoke carpool. There was a, they were in one of those carpool karaoke's, which triggered me to like, yeah, you know, they got, they had some good songs. So I kind of like went back into their music, you visited the catalog. I visited the catalog as they <laughs> And those later albums are not good, man. A lot of lyrics like that. I don't know. Yeah, that's the the years where somebody told Anthony Kiedis he could sing. And then it was all downhill from there. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. He went like, from being funk to trying yeah, to be a singer. I liked it when we were swimming in a sea of retarded sexuality. Those kind of yeah chili pepper songs, me and my friends. Like, a mother's mofo party plan. Yeah. Yeah. 
I did see that show uh, at the at Lollapalooza. They were the headliner, and um, mm-hmm. that was uh, getting to see Flea for a whole show. You realize what a fucking monster that guy is. Like oh. even if that band sucked, like he's worth the price of admission alone. The guy's amazing. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it was. And you get to see all of him. <laughs> Yeah, the one I saw, he had on his, uh, they didn't have the sock on the talk, but he was wearing like his white BVDs and that was it. And uh, he's, (laughs) he is a flea. He's just like uncontained energy ball flying around the stage, flying up and down the bass, like not even looking at it. He played trumpet, screaming into the mic. This guy's just insane. Well, he's still like, um, you know, he's in his late 50s now. He's still one of those dudes that is just thin and wiry and zero body fat. Uh, I think it's just all that crazy energy. Yeah, he's the flea. He's the flea. <laughs> and by the way, speaking of mustaches, so that's a good example. Oh, Anthony, Anthony Kiedis. <laughs> he's oh, yeah. Over. He went through a phase. He did, didn't he? I think he still is. I mean, the last time I saw him, he still had that mustache. That's that's appropriate. From everything I read about him, he does have a penchant for underage girls, so oh. it fits right into the the, the creepy mustache creepy. version. <laughs> fits him well. You like some young? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that show was pretty good too. Because I remember we saw him in Shoreline, which is like in the Bay Area, and they had. Ice Cube come on stage, and they had Ice T come on stage. Nice. Um, and neither of who was on the bill, they just showed up to rap with the Chili Peppers. Yeah, it was a that was a killer show. Well, the first time I saw him was in the '80s. It was probably like '88, and they were opening for X, that punk band X. Yeah. And uh, I, this was like pre Mother's Milk. I forget which album they were in support of, but they were st- they were in their crazy phase. And it was it was a good show, and Flea was like you said, he was just a monster. Um, yeah, Brad uh, puts us all to shame. I grew up in fucking Winnemucca, Nevada, and Jeremy grew up in <laughs> Santa Fe, New Mexico. So no one's coming to Santa Fe, and no one's coming to Reno. <laughs> They're certainly not coming to Winnemucca, but even Reno, which is a decent sized city, no one's coming to Reno. But uh, Brad's like. Oh, yeah, I saw Nirvana in a club in Spokane. Yeah, I saw these guys there. I saw Soundgarden at the Weathered Wall. I'm like, no, oh, I saw yeah. them in a stadium with 30,000 other people. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I feel grateful that I was able to see that era of music up front and close and personal back back in that era. It was, it was amazing stuff. So, Jeremy, you grew, you're Santa Fe, right? Mm-hmm. Not Albuquerque, but Santa Fe. A little, a little bit of both. So, so if you wanted to see a band, you'd go down to Albuquerque. But uh, what was the first show you saw growing well, up? Well, yeah, it was, it was weird. You're right. You know, sometimes you know, bands would come into town and they'd be, they'd be down in some of the bigger arenas down in Albuquerque and stuff. But there's, um, you know, a couple bands would make it up to Santa Fe. Really? Uh, mostly the be- George O'Keefe Gallery or something? <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, I remember seeing uh, there was um, there, there's uh, a school in Santa Fe called the Indian School, and they had a big um, 
uh, a big outdoor um, arena, like a coliseum, like outdoor kind of coliseum thing for. And I think it was actually for like their drama club or something like that. It wasn't <laughs> it wasn't like for uh, like big events or, or music or whatever, but it was just a big kind of big pit area. And I think it might have even called it the pit or something like that. And it was uh, occasionally bands would come come through there and play uh, play there, which is actually pretty fun because it was pretty small and intimate and and the 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 uh, you know the seating was fairly small, so you got a pretty good good you know view of the band and stuff. So uh, yeah, every, every once in a while, some some guys would, like I, I saw. Let's see, um, Warren. Oh yeah, yeah. Remember, remember those guys? Yeah, she's and, my cherry uh, pie. Kingdom Come, remember those guys? Oh yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, Mr. Big. Uh, uh, just to be the next to be with you. <laughs> <laughs> So, that, so you that, got some you got some hair metal coming to Santa that, Fe. That, you, that, that lets you know the, the quality of the the musical acts that that flow through town. Nice. What about uh, Albuquerque? You ever go down the hill to watch Ario Speedwagon or Sticks or some stuff? Mm, nah. Nope. Yeah, Winnemucca. I actually did see a concert in Winnemucca, and I don't know if this name means anything to you guys, but Elvin Bishop. I remember that name. Was it kind of bluesy? Was Elvin Bishop kind of a bluesy person? Yeah, he was a London white guy blues aficionado. So he'd have been around with like Paul Butterfield and Eric Clapton and like. Yeah, yeah. So if you were into that kind of London blues remake scene, he was part of it. And he came to town and it was so fucking boring. He played at the at the rodeo (laughs) grounds where we would normally go to watch rodeo or stock car races that this weekend it was elvin bishop and i i literally fell asleep in my mom's lap and then uh, we got home and and my mom was really mad at marla for getting drunk there and still being drunk when we got home and they got into a big argument i went to bed yeah but your mom was super into it right she's like you know (laughs) throwing her panties on stage getting the signed t-shirt afterwards and then uh, yeah But then in like Reno, there was no event center. So no one even came to Reno if you wanted. And I think in like 82, they built the Lawler Event Center, which was going to be the basketball arena for the college basketball team. And that was about 12,000 seats. And when that popped up, all of a sudden, all the bands that would stop in the Bay Area and San Francisco and Sacramento, they could pop over for a Reno gig. And so then we started getting, I saw Duran Duran there. I saw the cars there. I saw. Oh, right. Yeah. And it was the shittiest show I've ever seen. And I love the cars, but this was clearly like maybe they partied too much the night before. They didn't say one word to the audience. They didn't say hello, Reno. They didn't say thank you. They didn't say good night, Reno. They didn't say you want to hear one more. They showed up. They played their songs. They left. (laughs) Oh, wow. Aside from the no dialogue, was like just was their music good? Was, did they sound good live or they sounded some... perfect live? It was almost okay. yeah. They were it, in fact it was too much like the record. It was like I just should have stayed home and listened to the it record. It sounded like were... lip sync perfect. <laughs> no, because you could tell like Elliot Eason's a badass guitar player and all those solos it, it, they they were just note perfect. They were totally professional, totally bored, and totally did not want to be in Reno. And I understand that. So <laughs> I gave him a pass. I still love the cars, but yeah. And then I saw like some of the bands you said, like Jeremy, the, uh, the hair metal, I saw David Lee Roth 
there. I and Poison opened up for them. I saw Aerosmith on the um, permanent vacation tour. Uh, I saw Metallica there on the Black tour, which was pretty cool. Black album. Uh, I saw the Motels. Remember those dudes? Oh mm-hmm. yeah. 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 So uh, yeah, we got. I, oh, I saw. I won free tickets to see Night Ranger. Sister Christian. Yeah, it was that tour. That was the big song. That was the encore. That was kind of a cool era of music. It was like Night Ranger and Loverboy and Styx and that group, that group Triumph. You remember? It was like Canadian Power Trio. Not to be confused with Rush. Yeah, yeah, it was like pre-metal, but it was it was hard rock. It was like Consider pretty hard at the time, you know. It was like that era. It was it was right before all the groups like Judas Priest and Iron Maiden took off. Nice. Uh, yeah. Now in Seattle, every single band I've ever wanted to see comes through once a year, and I'm like sitting at the house raising kids, not taking it all for granted. Like well, you, you can you can rest easy that there's no way in hell you would have been able to get tickets in the first place, and even if you could good could get tickets, they were like three hundred dollars. So <laughs> that, I mean, that, like that's the Rolling what, Stones. And, that's uh, what I tell myself. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Concert tickets are fucking expensive nowadays. Yeah, they are, uh, especially for a stadium show. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, Barbara wanted to go see uh, Roger Wazer. Wa- Roger Waters did the, the the wall at Tacoma Dome. And how and much were the tickets for that? It was like 200 bucks, and those weren't even the good seats. Those were the nosebleeds. Yeah, I was like, mm-hmm. fuck that. I don't want to mm-hmm. watch the Roger, Roger Waters 401k tour. Like, <laughs> clearly, if, if I'd have seen that in the 70s, it would have been something special. But now I'm just like, yeah put money into the Roger Waters retirement fund. Not interested. She went anyway. She went with uh, Beth. All right, gentlemen. We are All right, let's wrap it up. Point. I hear someone's fucking doing dishes in the background or something. Is that you, Brad? I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, honey, I'm coming. He's not like, going to fold the lawnmower fire up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're gonna call that a wrap. All right, boys, that's a wrap. It was this was good a good shit. podcast. I think we're uh, I think we're on a good road here. All right, thanks everybody for tuning in this week. You've been listening to Would This Make a Good Podcast, followed by Would This Make a Good Recurring Segment. As always, we'll see you next week. Tagadish. Thanks, Lou. I'm Jeremy Mount. Brad. Oh, she left without saying nothing. <laughs>